don't know me, I'm Stephen Gant, and I'm Pastor Kelly's associate pastor. And uh, you're stuck with me this morning, so buckle up, okay? And uh, if I yell at you, it's not because I'm mad at you, all right? It's me, not you, okay? And uh, that's just how I like to communicate. I get excited and I tend to yell. So just, you're just going to have to hang in there. Don't leave. Don't cry. It's, I'm not mad at you, all right? Uh, I would encourage you to get your Bible out. Uh, we're going to use that thing this morning, or you can use your smart device. Uh, notes are available to you on our website, albanync.org, on the message tab. You can access the notes and follow along. Or you can go old school and just use the back of the bulletin, uh, which works really well. In fact, I was telling the, uh, the first service, I said, you know, something about writing down notes. When, when God speaks to you something and you write it down, it ministers to you in that moment. But what I love is later on, I love finding that note in my Bible or on my dresser or somewhere, and I read it again, and I think, wow, and God uses it again, and He speaks to me again. And maybe at that point, I might even have the opportunity to share it with somebody else. So, you know, taking notes is important. So I encourage you uh, to take notes. But we're continuing on in this series that Pastor Kelly started uh, two weeks ago called Jesus Is. Jesus Is. And I've got, a, I've got a question for you today. How many of you have ever wanted to gain access into a special club or organization or an event? Any, anybody out there? You ever seen something going on? Oh, am I the only person that wants special access to things? Apparently. I, I'm I know you have. There are things you've seen on television, there are things you've seen in life or in your friends, and you think, man, I would really like to be in there. I'd like to be a part of that. That looks really special. But you, can't, you don't have access. You don't have a way in. You know, it's interesting to give an example. Let's think about heaven. Let's take heaven for an example this morning. I don't know about you, but I've never met somebody, regardless of their belief, that doesn't like at least the idea of heaven. I mean, even if their idea of heaven comes from Hollywood or the movies, you know, it's kind of this cool place, right? I mean, everybody, you know, it's like, I, I, I want to go to heaven, right? I mean, there's no really, no debate about that. But how do we gain access into heaven? Well, there's really good news this morning. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, but God has made a way. God has made a way for all of us to have access into heaven. Isn't that cool? And all we have to do is receive it by faith. So I wanted to start off this morning by sharing a little bit of a story. Several years ago, I was privileged to travel into the country of Vietnam. Now, if you don't know much about Vietnam, it's a communist country. It's not open to the gospel. So what's happening in terms of faith and belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ is all underground because it's an illegal work. But you know what's amazing is where it seems like people say, no, the strongest to God is where he begins to move the strongest. I mean, isn't that amazing? He will step in because he says, you know what? You're not going to close that door on me. I love the people there too much. But we had the privilege to go there and uh, to arrive in Ho Chi Minh City. It's about a six, uh, city, I believe, of around 16 million people. Very large area. In this particular trip, we were there to train pastors. Now, what's interesting about Vietnam is when, if you're living in a village or a city and you get saved, this is kind of how it works. So if Dale was the oldest believer in his village, Dale is the village pastor. If Tom is the oldest believer in his city, they go, any, meeny, miny, mo, Tom, you're it. You get to be pastor. And so, Tom's, so they expect Tom to open his Bible, even if he doesn't have a Bible, and begin to teach and equip them as believers. So we were there to train and to equip these pastors and believers there in the country of Vietnam. Now, what's interesting is I had never traveled that far before. How many of you guys are travel? Any world travelers in the room? Some tra so, so you kind of understand travel. How many of you like travel? Any, any people just like traveling? You know, I'm not talking like Eugene and back. You know, I'm talking like long distance, you know. 
But anyway, this was a 28-hour trip. That's a long time. Now, we, thankfully, we weren't in the air the whole time because I think the pilot would have gotten tired. But, you know, it was 28 hours to get from Portland Airport all the way into Ho Chi Minh City right there in Vietnam. Now, what was interesting is I was traveling with some companions. And these companions, they do this kind of stuff a lot. And they have special treatment that they receive because they travel a lot. So when we showed up at the Portland airport, we walk up there to the ticket counter and they're dressed by name. They look at me like I'm just a grunt like everybody else, you know? And uh, when they usher them onto the airplane, they stop in first class. They say, oh, we reserved this seat just for you. Why don't you, why don't you sit here? Because nobody else has it. We saved it just for you. Meanwhile, they look at me and they say, why don't you get to the back of everybody else, you know? And so, you know, I, I realized that they had some special access that I did not possess. Well, our first hop was from Portland into Japan, and that took about 10 plus hours. And I hadn't been inside of a plane for that long, and it felt like an eternity, okay? So when we got there, I was eager to get off the plane. But you know, something else I discovered is the airports are full of these airline clubs that you have to have special access to get into. And they're a wonderful place. But I didn't know they existed, and I didn't know how to get in. And we got off the plane, and we got there at the airport, and we started heading towards this club. And I'm thinking, well, what's this all about? I mean, I'm looking at my ticket, and I don't, there's nothing mentioning on here that I get access to a club or anything like that. And so we walk over to this area, and I didn't even know it existed. And all of a sudden, my companions, they're addressed by name. Well, sir and Mr. So-and-so, come on with us. And they begin to usher them in. And I'm standing there thinking, what in the world am I going to do now? But thankfully... I was given access through him. I was given access into that club through him. And this morning, I want to talk to you about this. Jesus is the way. In John 14, John chapter 14, you're going to want to get in your Bibles. We're going to start reading from verse 1. It says this, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Let me just stop right there for a moment and just say this. Isn't it amazing? I love how personal God is. Look at how personal he is. Jesus is saying, let not your hearts be troubled. He's saying, I care about you and I love you. And guess what? I'm going to prepare a place for you. He's looking at your life and he's saying, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I love you so much. I care about what's going on in your world, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. And he says, and if I go and I prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. And I, and I love this part because Thomas, I think it's really easy for us to be like, duh, Thomas. But I think in the moment, I think we would have been just like Thomas. I think we would have been the ones that said, hey, uh, Jesus, that sounds really cool and all, and thanks for all your care, but I'm not really sure where you're going. And so we really don't know the way. I mean, Google, Google Maps has not been invented yet, so we're not sure what to do, okay? So Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through me. So the main focus I want to have with you this morning is simply this. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. If you and I want to have access to heaven, if you and I want to have that relationship with God our Father, Jesus is 
the way. He's not just a way or one of the ways, but Jesus is the only way. You see, we need to grab hold of this today as believers because we're living in a culture and a world that looks upon you and me when we say things like Jesus is the only way and they say that we're narrow-minded. But here's a truth that we've got to get a hold of today. If you and I don't grab this, if, if we as parents and as grandparents and as aunts and uncles and cousins and as a community of, a, of believers, if we don't take hold of the fact that Jesus is the only way and impress this upon our family and upon our children and our children's children, I'm telling you something, they are going to miss out. They will get robbed from the goodness and grace of God because he loves them. But guess what? The only way to take part in all that God has for you and for me is through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way. You know, it's so important that we grab a hold of this truth. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, it says it like this. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I really believe that God wanted us to grab hold of this truth. He wanted us to understand that Jesus is the way. But you know what's so awesome? Some would say, well, isn't that a little bit exclusive? Well, yes, but guess what? Everybody, every man, woman, and child has an opportunity if they hear this message to receive in faith that Jesus, yes, he is the way. And guess what? They gain access to heaven. They gain access to God our Father. They gain access to all the promises that his word has for you and for me. Let me deepen this for you a little bit this morning. You see, Jesus is so much the way that God wanted us to grab hold of this truth that let me take you back to Matthew chapter 2751. It's not available for you on your notes, but write it down. You can look at it later. Jesus was, is now hanging on the cross and he's moments away from breathing his last breath. Moments away from breathing his last breath. You see, and let me, let, me, let me back that up even a little bit further. Under the old covenant relationship that God had with mankind, there was a tabernacle and there was a temple. And inside that tabernacle and inside that temple was a, was a curtain, a very large, very thick curtain that separated the most holy place, the place where God, the presence of the Almighty God dwelt. And in Matthew 27, 51, it says, The moment that Jesus breathed his last breath, it says the veil in the temple was torn in two from top all the way to the bottom. You see, God wanted us to see something. He, wa he wanted to leave behind a symbol. He wanted to say, you know what? Jesus is the only way. You now have access to me through my son, Jesus Christ. I've ripped apart the veil of separation. And now when you put your faith and your trust in him, there is a way to be made right with me, to have relationship with me. Let me take you to one more verse this morning that I don't have on our notes, and it's found in Hebrews chapter 10. And let's just read it because it really spells it out really clearly today. And it says this in verse 19 of Hebrews chapter 10, it says, Therefore, uh, brothers, since we have a confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and the living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. Isn't it amazing? God wanted us to know that he had made a way, that Jesus is the only way. Now, let's, let's talk for a moment about some of the resistance that we feel in our culture today. You see, when you mention things like absolute truth, people get uncomfortable. They're like, oh, you're one of those. You're one of those. 
And they think of you as being radical and very narrow-minded in your way of thinking and your way of life. And there's a term for it today because when people look at truth in America today, it's, it's relativism. It has more to do with how you feel and more to do with the details around a certain situation or circumstance that dictate the truth for you in your life. But here's the problem for this. It's false. It's wrong. It's a wrong way of thinking. You see, Jesus is the only way. And, and here's something the Scripture said. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 25, it puts it like this. There is a way that seems right to a man. I don't know about you, but I've met a lot of different people, and it's interesting when you talk to people, whether they're believers or not, and you, you start to discover that they have a way that they live their life. Maybe it's because how their parents lived. Maybe it's because they have a different set of beliefs or a religious system that they follow through. But bottom line is they have a way that they live. But listen to the proverb and how it ends. There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, but in its end, the way, excuse me, but its end is the way to death. But its end is the way to death. How about this one? Matthew 7, 13 and 14. It says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. For those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. You know, when I read that scripture, it just gets to me. You know, Chris and I are privileged to raise two children, Isaac, who's seven, and Caleb, who's four. And when I read that verse, my heart breaks because I think, oh God, how do we establish a home? How do we establish our lives? How do we impress upon Isaac and upon Caleb that there's only one way, that Jesus is the only way, that there's a narrow path and we have to walk on it because wide and easy is the path that leads to destruction. So how do we mark our lives? How do we mark our family? How do we mark our marriage and our home where our boys know and understand that Jesus is the way? If that doesn't wake you up at night, I don't know what will. But I want to encourage you, grab a hold of this truth. Let it grab a hold of you. Let it grab a hold of your family. Let it grab a hold of your kids and your grandchildren. You just watch as God will move and work in you in very mighty ways. Well, I told you that um, when I was standing at that counter um, trying to gain access into the United Airlines Club, it was United Airlines, and I stand there feeling super uncomfortable, like they don't even know my name, they're looking at me like, oh, you're just one of those mooching off somebody else, right? But here's the really cool part. When I got access, when a way was made through me with my traveling companions, I got to go on the inside. And once I got in there, I mean, this was, place was pretty cool. I mean, it was no glimpse of heaven, don't get me wrong. But being in there, I mean, they had all these free beverages and free food. And they had television. And you had all this space to spread out and rest. And the, the bathrooms were actually clean. You could go in there and have some privacy. I mean, it was amazing. And some of the bathrooms even had showers. You could go in there and shower and get all cleaned up. I mean, this was a really special place. I mean, I, I really thought, I was kind of like, really? What's the big deal? I mean, come on. Can this place really be that great? Or is this just the way they get more money out of people, you know? But I got in there and I thought, no, uh-uh. Everybody else are suckers. I mean, this place, is, this place is worth it. When you've been on a plane for 10 plus hours, this place is worth it. Well, here's the thing about our relationship with Jesus. Yes, he is the way. He is the only way. But here's the awesome thing about knowing Jesus. He's also the way into so much hope and promise. And I just want to share a couple of those things with you this morning. The first one I want to get to today is this. 
And it's simply, Jesus is the only way out of a life of spiritual darkness. Jesus is the only way out of a life of spiritual darkness. What does that mean? Well, here's the reality. You and I were born into sin. Sin was in our lives. I know this to be true because I remember the first time my, my son was disobedient. And I can't tell you how many times since then he's been disobedient. But I'm just telling you, I've seen that in his life. It's, it's embedded in his DNA. I can see it on him. And if you're a parent or a grandparent, you understand that. You're nodding your head. You're like, yeah, I see it in my kids. I see it. I know and I understand that. But that sin separated us from God. We were in spiritual darkness apart from a relationship with God. So you know that neighbor that we all, sometimes, I hope you have one of these neighbors. Maybe in your neighborhood. I mean, they're amazing people. You go on vacation, they'll mow your lawn. You know, they'll walk your dog. They'll, they'll watch your house. You know, they're just kind, loving people. But here's the thing. Unless they know Jesus, unless they have that personal relationship with Jesus, they're living their life in spiritual darkness. Because God doesn't care about their resume. He doesn't care how many old ladies they help cross the road. He doesn't care about your self-righteousness. What he cares about is your faith and your trust in Jesus. He cares about you believing in the way that he made so that you could have access to him. Are you with me this morning? And so spiritual darkness is a condition of our soul apart from Jesus. And 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you, say me, there we go. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I mean, I, f- I feel like we should golf clap right there for one another. I mean, come on. That's amazing. God's talking about you. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see, every person out there that believes in another faith or another way is walking around in spiritual darkness. But there's hope for them because God loves them as much as he loves you. And his desire for them is to walk in his marvelous light through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So yes, Jesus is the only way out of a life of spiritual darkness. But Jesus is also the only way out of a life of lostness. And for this one, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19, and I want to talk to you for a moment about a man named Zacchaeus. And I told the first service that Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And I'm not sure if that's in the Bible or if that's just simply in the story that I heard in Sunday school. But Zacchaeus, let's read it. Luke chapter 19, and we're going to start reading in verse 1 once I find it in my Bible. There we go. Luke 19, 1. It says, Jesus entered Jericho, and he was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector. See, right there, you could just write hashtag hated, because in that time, in that culture, people hated tax collectors, and I don't know about you, but I don't know anybody who's really friendly with the IRS either, okay? But it said not only was he a tax collector, but he was also rich, so hashtag hated hated. Because he got rich off everybody else. And people viewed tax collectors as the low of the low of the low of society. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. He was a wee little man. What did I say? All right. So he ran on ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, 
Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and he came down and received him joyfully. And when he saw, and when they saw it, they all grumbled. Let's just pause there for a moment. They grumbled. You know what's interesting is when I was on the outside of that United Club, I felt a little lost. But once I was brought onto the inside, nobody knew by what credentials I was there. They just knew that I was in. And once you're in, you're in. And you belong. And people, people look at you like, oh, you're, you're, okay, you're a club member. You're kind of a big deal. You know? I applaud you, big deal. You know. But hear this for a moment. Sometimes I think as Christians, we forget that we were once lost. There was once upon a time in your life where you were lost. And guess what? Jesus found you. And what's interesting is all the religious leaders around this story, they're disappointed because Jesus, the Messiah, the King, Jesus would spend time with a tax collector, a sinner. But guess what? In your worst moment, Jesus came to be with you. He came to seek you when you were lost because he loves you so much. And listen as our story reads on. It says, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus is the way out of a life of lostness. How many people has God placed around you and me that are lost. And yet sometimes because we're on the inside, we start to think, well, you know, Cliff, I mean, he, I don't think there's any hope for Cliff. I mean, my goodness. I mean, he is, he's a tax collector. I mean, he's a sinner of sinners. I love you, Cliff. I mean, Larry, come on, man. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know about Larry. He's, he's kind of a questionable character. And we, and we get this, we get this perspective about life sometimes. But we need to remember that we were just like Zacchaeus. We were once lost. And guess what? He came and he found us. He came and he found you and he rescued you. And he desires for you to share with other people that, yes, Jesus is the way. The third thing I want to talk about this morning is that Jesus is the only way out of a life of slavery to sin. I really, really like this one. And I'm going to tell you why. I told you earlier, you and I were born into sin. Sin had a power and an authority over your life. You didn't realize it, but you did some of the things that you did because you were enslaved to sin. It was consuming you and causing you to do things that you now regret, things that you are ashamed of, things that left you feeling guilty, right? But here is the good news about Jesus making a way for us. You and I are no longer slaves to sin. Romans 6, verse 6 says this, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Now, I want you to hear this this morning because when you said yes to Jesus and you, you received the fact that he is the only way, he broke the power of sin over your life. You were no longer a slave to sin. The old person that you once were was now crucified with Christ. 
Okay? You've been separated for him. But here's the struggle. Here's what we got to pay attention as believers. Sometimes we still have habits and things that are going on in our world that we haven't even dealt with yet. And if we're not careful, we find ourselves once again enslaved to sin. But here's the truth this morning. Jesus has come to set you free. He's come to deliver you. He doesn't want you to live your life in bondage to sin any longer. He wants you to walk in freedom. So here's the thing. When you get ensnared in sin, you got to put that under the blood of Jesus. Ask for his forgiveness and once again walk in freedom. It has no power. It has no place to tell you or command you to do the things that you don't want to do. And we need to stand on that. We need to walk in it as believers. And I want to say something personally. It's taken me a lot of years walking with Jesus to understand that simple truth that we can still get ensnared to sin and it can still enslave us. But when we walk with Jesus and we're regularly to admit when we've done wrong and allow him to cleanse us and renew us and make us right, we are not enslaved to sin. So Jesus is also a way out of a life of guilt. Now this one's an interesting one because I've met a lot of people who feel guilty about life. I've met a lot of people who have done things and they walk around it and they carry it like a badge of honor. They carry it like it's a label, like it identifies who they are as a person. You know, guilt will rob your future. Because when you can't see yourself as what you are, you see, when you accept that Jesus is the only way and you come into right relation with, relationship with him, you are a son and a daughter of the king. Remember, you're a chosen people. You're a chosen people. And he looks at you with pride and awe. he sees you as a son or as a daughter. And you got to realize something. He's cleansed you of that guilt. He, Hebrews 10.22 shares a little truth with us. It says this, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You see, we need to understand something. He didn't just wash away our sins. He actually cleansed our conscience. The only person hanging on to your guilt is you. And sometimes we got to stand up and we got to say, you know what, devil? That is not who I am. I'm a child of God. Yes, I've done it and I admit it. And guess what? It's in the open. Everybody knows about it. And I don't even care anymore. Because yes, that was the old Stephen. But guess what? The new Stephen is a son, a child of God. And I don't have to live in guilt for the things that I've done. You can't change your past. But guess what? You can live differently today and you can live differently tomorrow. So stop living in guilt. If you're feeling guilty, maybe you need to confess some sin. But ultimately, if it's just guilt, you need to get over it and move on. Let God cleanse you and renew you so that you can be the person ultimately that God has called you to be. So finally this morning, Jesus is the only way out of a life of condemnation. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says this, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The truth this morning, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the only way. You know, I only had an opportunity today to share a little bit of the kind of life that we, that we, that we have in Jesus. And what a privilege that it is 
You know, we've undersold the gospel so much. But God loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you despite your faults and failures. He's proud of you. I think he smiles at you, your, your future, and what he has in store for you, especially when you surrender your life to him and walk with him. So I've got a couple of things I'd like to do as we close our service this morning. Maybe just for a moment, you'd close your eyes at a, out of respect for one another, not to be secretive or to hide anything. But maybe you're here today and you thought, man, I, I didn't realize that Jesus was the only way. I thought there were other ways. I thought I could earn my way to heaven. I thought that maybe the other pathways were okay. But after hearing the truth of God's Word, you've, you've come to realize, just like I have, that Jesus is the only way. And here's what's so amazing. When you put your faith and your trust in God through Jesus Christ, He has prepared a place for you. That's how much He loves you. That's how much He cares for you. That's how much He values you. And if you're here today feeling regret or shame, it's because the devil's a liar and he wants to keep you down. But God wants to heal and restore your life. He wants you to get up and keep moving forward and living your life for Him. So if you're here today, again, I, I don't know everybody in this room and I certainly don't know your heart. Only you and God know your heart. But if you're here and you'd say, man, I want to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life. I want to receive by faith that Jesus is the only way. I want to have that relationship with Him today and all that He promises for me. If that's you today, will you lift a hand? I just want to pray with you. Again, I don't know everybody here this morning, but I just want to pause for a moment. I'm going to look around the room, and if it's you, just lift a hand so I can know to pray for you. Thank you. Anybody else here this morning? I'm just going to wait a moment. I'm not trying to make anybody uncomfortable. But I believe this. I live this I, with all my heart. Well, let's just pray together this morning. Would you just pray with me? And I'm not going to ask you to repeat after me, but I'm going to pray. And as I pray, if you lifted a hand, just pray with me. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your love this morning. God, I thank you that even when we were separated from you by our sin, that you loved us enough to make a way, the only way, through Jesus Christ. And Lord, this morning, we want to receive by faith what you have to offer. And so, Lord, we confess our sins, and we invite you into our hearts and our lives by faith, and we say, Jesus, be the Lord and Savior of our lives. Help us to live for you, to walk with you every day, whether we're in church or in our homes or in the workplace or in the community. God, may our our lives be marked by the fact and the truth that Jesus is the only way. And I thank you for taking us out of spiritual darkness, that in you we are found, we are cleansed, and we are renewed. Thank you this morning for the work that only you have done in Jesus' name, amen. i got one final ask for you today, and it's this. I told the first service, I, I said, you know, I believe that God has strategically placed you in your home, in your job, and in your community. 
And I bet you there are five people that you could name off right now that you know that believe maybe in another way. And God has put you in their, in their, in their life for a reason. Can you go there with me for a moment? Just think about it. Who are those five people? Maybe they're, maybe they're kids, grandkids, aunts, uncles, cousins, grandpas, parents. Maybe they're coworkers or neighbors. But who are those five people that you could just right now probably rattle right off that you know that desperately need Jesus? Because we're his church, and we have a responsibility to share that Jesus is the only way. So if you have your five people, can you raise your hand if you have your five people in your mind? Are you thinking about that, those five people? Okay. Let's do something together. We're going to pray for those five people today. And we're going to ask God for divine appointments. We're going to ask God to tug at their heart. We're going to ask God to fill you with such boldness and love. Because that's how you win people, by loving them. Loving them, caring for them, meeting their needs. So that God can open their door to their spiritual needs. Let's pray together. Father, I just want to lift up your church this morning. God, you have a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. God, you didn't just call us out of darkness into your marvelous light so that we could just be on the inside. But God, you've called us to live a life of purpose and meaning. You've called us to be light and salt. You've called us to love people. And Lord, I I pray for your church this morning. God, I pray that you would give them boldness. Lord, I pray that that you'd give them a passion and compassion for their family and for their neighbors and their co-workers. God, I pray let it drive us to our knees in prayer and calling out on their behalf, praying, God, that you would send spirit-filled workers, that you would open doors of opportunity. God, fill us with such boldness and passion for your name and such love. Lord, that we would have those moments of opportunity to share the truth that Jesus is the only way. And God, I thank you because of our prayer today and because of our action this week and every day thereafter. God, that people's lives will be touched and changed right here in the community of Albany, in our very families. And I thank you, Lord, for your saving grace. We love and honor you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.